got Elliot Kipchoge in eighth. I mean, that's how that's how we've got away from the podcast, surely. Um, Alfie's crying. Everyone's crying. Everyone's crying. Kipchoge's crying, most of all. Watch that uh, that interview on BBC. Genuinely looked like he was going to burst into tears. Uh, which, you know, if he, wasn't, if he wasn't doing that, you'd be worried about his passion, but what, what a surprise. I think you've got to have a little slight concern about what happened in the race. I think he said his ear was blocked, uh, and I think that's not, obviously not going to have a physical effect, but psychologically. And also he said he started cramping in his legs. Um, so obviously don't make excuses for him because at the end of the day, everyone has bad races, but I'd think a Kipchoge bad race would have been first and a win by 10, 20 seconds. Whereas this bad race seems to be a bit of a, a bit of a different one, a minute and eight seconds off the front in the end. It's crazy. And that that only really happened, you know, going going towards that last lap uh, when they started. It seemed like the rest of the race were scared of uh, of Kipchoge because I mean he brought it back to like a four fifty seven mile and a five minute mile, and you're thinking like, well, what what's the point here? Like, what's actually going on? And I think the rest of the guys were just worried about actually taking it on, opposed to you know, just sitting in behind him and letting, you know, waiting for Kipchoge to do his thing, which he did not do at all. Yeah. I think that one of the biggest things to me was when he when Kipchoge, Kipchoge went to the front um, at about 25k, I think it was, or 30k, he ran a five-minute mile. Kipchoge doesn't yeah. run them at the front. No. If you see Kipchoge at the front, it's when he's bashing out 430s, 440s, not five-minute miles. So, I, I guess yeah. it's inevitable there's going to be a downfall of a runner eventually. But mm-hmm. but then you've got to remember that he's human and he's allowed to have a bad race. It just shows that he is human opposed to anything. So I can't remember the last I mean, that's only the second time he's ever lost a marathon. Yeah, and obviously the first time he lost was actually to Kipsang, who has now been banned for drugs as well. And at the time, he was the world record holder. So it's fair enough to lose to that kind of calibre of athlete. But coming eight, it's a bit different. And the question I've got, sorely, what's on everyone's mind is what else can we see from Kipchoge going forward from now? Well, I kind of, I sort of, I've been saying like for a while, I think, you know, he's got like a, like a year or two maximum. And that's not just because I think like he can only last another year or two. It's just because marathon training is like, so brutal and you can only do a certain amount of marathons a year before you know you, you're really blown up um so for me you know when when he did the sub two in vienna that for me i was like well okay this is this is going to be the last like big thing he does or if he's you know this is the, the last time he's going to be able to do sub two it's not like i didn't think that was going to be the last time he'd like win a marathon or whatever because obviously you know sub two and beating people in 204 is a very different thing you can you know you can you can do that for a lot longer but certainly last year in Vienna I was just starting to think you know because he is I mean I think officially he's like what 35 36 yeah on Wikipedia he says he's 35 Um, okay so but obviously there's many many things come out of Kenya and also where um some people believe he's actually over 40. 
which would yeah, be exactly. starting to get into the age where you're worried that his performance might start declining with age. Um, which is it's, not, it's not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable to think that either, because you know it, it's a fact that it has happened and it does happen. So, you know, it, it would it, it wouldn't necessarily be a huge surprise, but you know, you never you never really know. Um, but for me, hopefully, see Kipchoge. I, I don't want to see him bow out of marathon running, finishing you know like ninth at London Marathon. Obviously, he said in that interview after the race, he's got plenty more in him. But for me, I think I, I just want to see him. You know, planning those marathons. Uh, you know, if he has three left in him, going out at each one and winning them in two, three, winning them in two, four, and then you know, finishing the way that everyone kind of wants to see him, opposed to you know, going out there and realizing maybe this is a, uh, maybe I'm just knackered now. I'm done. I'm old. I'm tired. I want to go back and just chill. He's, he's had a long career, hasn't he? Obviously, early two thousands is when he won his world championships medal obviously kicking down Bikili and El Garouz. But next year at the Olympics, with the guys in this race, obviously they've shown that they've got kicks. You've got Bikili, if he's still there. You've got so many runners. Like, there's two 202 runners now, and then two 201 runners. That's four runners running sub-203. And then you've got so many others who are really low 203s. The Olympics next year... Unless Kipchoge's in 201 shape, it's, it's going to be hard for him to control the race as he has done in the past. And as much as I want him to win the Olympics next year, and I still think he's probably favourite to do so, if he doesn't win the Olympics next year, I'd rather see him retire than carry on going. Because he's sort of one, it's like Bolt, isn't it? it no one likes watching Bolt come third at the World Champs um, in London. And I'd rather see him go out on the top. But I don't want to speak like that because hopefully he's got loads left. Obviously, he said he's got cramps. Comes out that it's just a bad day and he's got many years left of running at the best of his ability. But it's just a sad day, I think, really. Yeah, and like you say, it's important not to sort of like overthink just today because we have seen him, you know, for the past, I mean, like you say, ages, like on the track and then in the transition to road and then to marathon. Like, he's, he's never looked stressed in a race the way that he did today when he had that grimace on his face, uh, which is obviously really different to what we've, what we've seen, seen him do before. But also in that marathon field, there was like, what, three of the top five ever, was it? Or three of the top six ever were, were in that race with Kipchoge? Yeah, so you obviously got um, Kipchoge, Bikili obviously entered as well. Um, Geremu, who's the fourth fastest ever. I'm not too sure if the third fastest ever was in this race or not. Um, mm. Sorry about everyone who has to fact-check me. It might be Lemma, but there's someone who's ran 202.48, I think, um, as the third fastest ever. I'm not too sure if it was in this race or not. Yeah, exactly. So I think it, it was definitely an interesting race to watch, like I say, with the marathon next year. Fingers crossed. We, I think we'll see Kipchoge there, because for me, I don't, I don't think Kipchoge is motivated by money. Um, I mean, it, obviously, there'll still be big money bonuses for winning the Olympics, but, you know... I think a, a lot of a lot of marathon guys who could potentially win the Olympics sometimes don't because there's, there's bigger paydays to be had at Berlin, you know, Chicago, at London. Um, but for me, I, I, you know, I don't think Kipchoge is necessarily motivated purely by uh, the money. So I, I think if if he was to bow out anywhere perfect, it would probably be winning the Olympics next year for me. Yeah, and that's that's to say if he's still not at his best by next year. Maybe if it's best next year, 
he rides it a bit longer. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, though. I think it's probably marathon's one of those sports we have to take it by each race because every race is a whole training block in itself, isn't it? So it's one yeah, of them exactly. where you've just got to race by race and decide what you're going to do going forward. And obviously, I don't want to dwell on Kipchoge's performance too much. Um, so should we talk about the men first and then go into the women's or the women's first, go into the men's? Uh, just sort of go for the field a bit, really, and some highlighted performances. Yeah, I, I reckon we can we can definitely start off with the women. Obviously, um, Bridget Koskai taking that win by like three minutes, three minutes, three seconds or so, which is which is huge. It was pretty expected that Bridget Koskai was going to win by you know a solid amount, and uh, and she did. Uh, I think probably one of the stories of the day from the women's race was definitely Sarah Hall. Um, yeah, you know as you know, as we were watching, uh, and as you were saying before, I think you had a, a bit more sort of info on time-wise what what Sarah Hall actually made up. Yeah, so at 30 kilometres, she was two minutes, and I think 12 seconds, so two minutes and 12 seconds behind second. So over the last 12K, she gained two minutes and 12 seconds on Ruth, I'm going to botch the second name, Chep, Nagetic, sorry, that's an absolute botch of a name there. I'm not very good at my pronunciations, but she did win the World Championships last year. So Sarah Hall actually came from two minutes and 20 seconds behind to end up finishing second against a field that's actually a very high-quality field in itself. Um, A bit of a controversial point is the shoes she was wearing. Um, I believe she got a World Athletics exemption to wear prototypes of an attic shoe. So I'm not sure what that entails, but it looks like she got let off and was actually allowed to go against the rules and wear prototypes, which I'll have to see what the reason is for that because I feel like if a Nike athlete did that or an Adidas athlete, there'd be a huge uproar. Um, everyone hating on them saying they shouldn't be allowed to wear prototypes now. So yeah. it's interesting so I, to see I that saw, that was allowed. Did I send you a photo of that shoe? So I... I saw a photo of that shoe um, and that there was another A6 athlete, another marathon runner who'd been given that shoe uh, a little while ago. Obviously, they, they can't, you know, they couldn't show anyone or whatever. But I feel like that shoe's been in production for a while purely for the athletes. And I'm assuming the way that A6 have done this is by, you know, giving out the actual design um, and the technicalities of the shoe to World Athletics just to show, you know, this is this will be a shoe that comes into production. But if anything, now, for a company like ASICS, I feel like World Athletics has to look at that prototype and be like, you know what, it's, it's only fair if we let them use it. Um, yeah. Because in in, a, in the world of, like, super shoes, ASICS do have the Meta Racer and, and they do have good shoes, but, like, they haven't got that, that super shoe that they're mass marketing at the moment, but they know that in order to keep contracted athletes or keep athletes wearing the shoes and not blacking out next percent you've got to have a competitor and world athletics will understand that that's only going to become more common yeah and i bet they're kicking themselves actually now because second place at london marathon beating world champion last year um in a shoe that's not actually released yet i bet they're, yeah. they're missing out on a few sales there so but i guess i guess it's a good brand like no one really sees asic shoes in the top top few places unless you're sort of an asia marathon where I, I, more Asians wear ASICs more than anything that don't they really 
uh, yeah, the, ASICs definitely has a big presence in, you know, like Japan, China, etc. Um, but, but yeah, it's, and they've got like quite a lot of uh, nice national gear. For me, I think ASICs are make, are doing a really good job at the moment. Uh, they've got a nice elite vest now. They've got, I know it sounds pay, but even like the waterproof jacket looks good. Like their kit is starting to look a, a bit nicer. They're moving away from just like slapping some neon green on a t-shirt that looks awful. <laughs> and it's like that but that's like the reputation that they've that they've had for like yeah. a lot of time now it's like don't reinvent the wheel do what everyone else is doing and people will love it and you know a lot of people swear by asics um yeah they do. I, it's probably one of the strongest fan bases yeah exactly um so you know that's but but that's shoe talk um and obviously yeah and then also um Sinead Diver there in, in eighth from Australia. Uh, pretty big run. Obviously, the times were kind of slightly... Um, so, but Sinead Diver's also a Vet 40. Um, so, it's a really, really, you know, impressive run from, run from Sinead. Um, but, you know, the, if we're looking at the times, the times were tough today. It was really just, you know, racing is racing kind of thing uh, out there. No, no particularly fast times, just... Just people out there racing. Um, yeah. And then from a British perspective, uh, wanted to talk about Naomi Mitchell. So Naomi Mitchell, I, I read um, a tweet. I think her official half marathon PB is sixty, no seventy five, and she went through the half in seventy four, um, in in the race today, and then a seventy five second half. So she actually PB for a half marathon twice. That'd be nice. If if I could do that over 10K, going through my 5K PB, that'd be beautiful. But yeah, she was looking strong as well on the course. Obviously, um, was she second Brit on the day in the end? Yes. Quite a quite a interesting women's race on a domestic level because obviously we had Lily Partridge and Steph Twell both pulling out, I believe. Yeah, really, really gotten to see that because, uh, you know, Lily Partridge ran well uh, at Antrim. Andrew Half the other week uh, was really hoping, hoping to see what Lee Partridge could have done. Same as Steph 12. Steph 12's um, you know, really gutsy runner. Uh, we've seen her run you know, really well on the roads regardless. So it'll be, you know, they'll, they'll come back and find another marathon soon. Fingers crossed COVID behaves. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I guess for the most part, that, that was the women's race um, pretty much there. And obviously Molly, actually Molly Sedell, um, in sixth as well, uh, another US, another US, US girl in the top ten. Yeah, and also wearing the Sacconi Endorphin Pro as well. So that's a different shoe as well in the top ten yeah. compared to last year where we'd always see was the next percent. So it's, it's good to see for anyone who's sort of hating on the hating on the run shoes. Yeah, exactly. And I know that you're a big advocate for the Sacconi Endorphin Pros. Uh, that sounds like a lot of people are. Uh, so. So yeah, you know that's 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 another company whose super shoes will uh, will become slightly more prominent as, as time goes on. Um, I guess going back, to, oh, someone has just walked past my university window doing her virtual London marathon. Um, well done to that person. Um, it's not nice weather for it today. I would think there's many better things to do than twenty six miles in sunny Loughborough. It's uh, it's a beautiful day to be alive. Um, Apart from you know the fact that I'm in isolation, but we'll talk about that after. Back to the men's race, 
uh, what did you say, big run, Stephen Scullion? Crazy run. Absolute ridiculous run because I'm not sure how much you saw of the actual race and obviously the camera footage of the people behind isn't as impressive, but he was pretty much running by himself or leading a group for the majority of that race. Um, it sort of just shows what his kind of personality is really. He's just an absolute gutsy runner, isn't he? And yeah, he's hard as nails. It's what he deserves, to be honest, because if anyone listens to his podcast, which I'm sure quite a lot of you do, he his mentality and his dedication to the sport is like no other, really. So he really deserves to run 209 because it's for the effort he puts in, obviously being in the training camp with Mo in Fontenot recently, I'm really happy for him to obviously get that. And I think it's an Irish record as well. I'm not 100% sure, so I don't know why I've just said that because I'm going to seem like an idiot if it's not. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm not sure if Obviously, the Irish have always had good marathon runs. So if he if he has if he has run that, that would be really really impressive. Uh, hopefully, he has because, like you say, I think obviously the, the dudes had like a lot of ups and downs within running in itself. You know, like he announced that retirement was completely out of the blue, uh, not even that long ago. Which yeah, you know, when when you when the sports like beating you down, beating you down, beating you down, you're not getting that much back from it really. Like I completely get it, but thank God he had good people around him to you know turn that turn that around and be like, you know what, you you still got plenty left in you, which I'm sure he saw at the Amsterdam Coast half when he ran what was it sixty one oh one or sixty two oh one? One of them. <laughs> one of them, yeah. I think it was sixty one oh one. But um but yeah, so it showed shows back and like you say, he um in terms of T V coverage he literally got like nothing because after like half he wasn't in the domestic group with Ben Connor. He wasn't in the lead group with Kipchoge. He was having to, you know, just completely lock in and focus for that second half. And whether he had, you know, a few people around or a few people to chase, it, it's still tough running, you know, the harder part of that marathon, that harder 13 miles by yourself. It's, it's pretty frightening. It, even looking at the times, you know, he had someone at, at 209.25, he ran 209.49, and then someone at 210.06, 21038. Like, there's an awkward gap there. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was the same with Brett Robinson as well. He was just there, just running. I'm not sure how he actually finished in the end. I'm, I've got the results up there. But he literally... Results, but, I can't actually see his name. I, I think he might have dropped out. Because he was just by himself. Because obviously Jake Smith was pacemaking... It was weird actually because Jackson was obviously an under twenty three GB runner. He was pacemaking the group faster than Mo Farah was pacemaking. Um, really? But Brett Robertson was like in the middle, like in no man's land. So I mean, I'd be interested. I'm guessing he pulled out then if that's the case. And I think this year got quite a lot of casualties because nineteen laps where you're running by yourself, it's a bit draining on your psycho, like psychologically draining. Sorry. Um, so probably why we've seen quite a lot of people pulling out. And also people are probably rushing into a marathon because it's the only race they've got and falling short at fitness levels or preparation or whatever. Well, that's the thing. You're kind of grasping at straws because like, you don't know when the next race is going to be. In front. And we know for a lot of these guys, although it doesn't, it doesn't really sound that nice or like that, you know, like running's great or whatever, a lot of these guys have things in their contract to say, like, you have to run this, this and this. Like, you can't just not show up. And, you know... It, 
it's, it's a shame that sometimes runs like that. But then by the same token, there's a lot of guys out here who who need a marathon, who wanted to get a marathon done. Uh, like, you know, Ben Connor and Johnny Mellor, they've had decent preparation in terms of being at the New Balance Manchester house, get getting all their work done there. And obviously they ran a lot of the race together. It wasn't until sort of the last lap when Johnny Mellor pulled away from Ben Connor. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, even talking about that, but, the domestic race in terms of um, the British side of the racing was, you know, it was, it was pretty good. Again, there were some good times. Um, Johnny Mellor and uh, Ben Connor getting the, the Olympic standard, which is pretty cool for the two new balance athletes. Um, but then also stacking in well behind that, there was just a lot of, there was just a lot of GB faces, which, which was kind of, kind of nice to see. Yeah, I think it's great because I, I feel like we've had a resurgence in marathon runners in recent years. Because it wasn't long ago, we'd have like Callum Hawkins and then his brother. Um, mm. We we'll, literally seem to be the other two runners who are actually running well, especially over the marathon. So it's great that we've actually got competition again, um, which obviously pushes everyone else along, which is what we need. And we all know, like domestic level, people develop because they're competing against people who are better than them, and that's how you comp- That's how you get better as like a country is by having many different runners around you who are also the same ability because you're competing for spots on international teams and everything like that. So it is great to see that we have quite a lot of runners out there. Obviously a home marathon as well. It's a shame there wasn't any spectators because I'm sure the atmosphere would have been amazing. Even if it was around that little loop, that would have been amazing for the atmosphere. 19 laps of people just running around in circles and people cheering. But obviously, I feel like they did quite a good job of that actually, just making sure it was closed off and... I don't know. It, it it was a weird event. I'm not sure how I liked it as a whole. Um, mainly because it's probably been tarnished by Kipchoge's loss. But it was a great event. And I was just wondering what you think about it, like in compared to like last year's London Marathon. How do you think it stacks up? And how do you think this new norm sort of stacks up? And how does it feel compared to the others? It's quite scary because, you know, for the meantime, this is the new normal. Uh, I think London Marathon in itself is iconic uh, in terms of, you know, the streets being lined regardless, going through London, doing, you know, doing the entirety of that course. Uh, but I think given given the state of the world at the minute, they did an amazing job of organising it so that it, it was well contained, uh, social distancing was maintained, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. And again, it's like, you know, you you couldn't have spectators on that course regardless unless you sold tickets uh, because the whole of London and all the people that travel down to London just to watch it could not have could not fit in there, even for the elite races. But I think I think that is something that the world needs to look at and go like, well, we can replicate this for a 5K. We can we can get this this area of London closed off for two three hours and get 5k here and yeah you get people paying tickets like as soon as social distancing you know covid sort of settles down a little bit not charging extortionate prices for those tickets but those city center 5ks 10ks whatever it might be that you know get people interested in running i think i think it showed that in such a small area what you can actually achieve um rather than you know going through all the streets of london or whatever i mean it'll be great to see it in, in its normal format next year but I think for this year, you know, they did they did the best possible. Yeah, I agree, and I completely agree with the five k, like city centre things. Because obviously they do the mile championships there on a normal year around that loop, and it's a great event. 
and like there's something about um, road races where you've got in a city centre what are just better than track races or normal road races so it would be great to see and I was just seeing a post by Ben Johnson here and the top eight all wore Vaporfly next percent or sorry the top seven all wore Vaporfly next percent or the Adidas shoe Kipchoge was the only one running in Alpha Flies so Nike right. kind of missed the mark on that one by the looks of things. Well, here's the thing: I like building up into this race. Had a lot of people saying not great things about the Alpha Flies, or not great in comparison to the next percent. And then you're thinking, well, Kipchoge probably feels the same. Kipchoge probably prefers the next percent, but how bad is it going to look for Nike's marketing if Kipchoge shows up in next percent? Like that would be really bad. That would be well, really good. Obviously, it's, it's even worse now that it came eighth. It's yeah, exactly. Worse. Exactly. And it's like, well, Nike don't really care about the other guys because they're thinking, well, Kipchoge's going to win and he's going to be wearing the Alphas and they'll be wearing the next pens. It's going to be fine. And then, you know, today happens and all the talk of people not really liking the, the, uh, why am I having a blank? The Alpha Fly. The Alpha Fly. Like, you know, it, you got to giggle a little bit. It's a bit a sad bit. because I feel like Nike, all they care about is money. And as sad as that is, that means that athletes are going to get made to wear, like Kipchoge anyway, will get forced down a route of he's in a contract, he has to wear the Alpha Fly. I'm sure it's a written rule where he has to wear the Alpha Fly somewhere. Um, and it's just sad because obviously all the other elite runners seem to prefer the Vaporfly. So maybe that's why he lost yeah well i'm sure you know with kipchoge's custom um alpha flies the kenyan ones i'm i'm assuming nike didn't send him any kenyan next percents in that same package uh so you know that's there um but yeah so it's uh one of those things that we interesting to see the adidas shoe looked really nice I don't like that. Move on. No, I'm joking. It did look really nice. Yeah, it, 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 it's a good shoe. It, it looks like at home next to the next percent as well. Some of the other super shoes don't really look like they should belong there. Um, whereas the Adidas shoe definitely seems like it's a serious contender. Yeah, and I guess looking at the, the sort of lower end of the field where there was that domestic racing, you know, we had Johnny Meller, Ben Connor, um, Josh Griffiths, Chris Thompson, Charlie Holson. And then, you know, going a little bit further back, Adam Hickey, Josh Lunn, uh, Ollie Lockley, Paul Marcelletti and Jack Gray. It's really cool to see all those British guys in there uh, and, you know, getting in, in and amongst some of, the, some of the best in the world. And for a lot of them, you know, Ben Connor, it was his debut marathon. He's still got that Olympic uh, time. He also led for ages. Like, his pack, he led that for... It, it was kind of annoying to watch because you, you're sort of looking at these four guys and in really bad conditions, they're just sat on Ben. Yeah. And it's like, well, look, fair enough, it's, a race is a race. I'm not, I'm not like huge on the whole, you know, helping out and all that, but whatever. But when, you, when the conditions are like that and you're all wanting to get some sort of time out of it, Johnny Mello wanted sub 210. And, you know, you're not going to do that if you just sat on this, on this pack of four who are going at the same pace sort of thing and then... I mean, Johnny actually went past Ben until until that last lap, and then the other Ben ended up coming fourth out of that group of four. 
because they all just just you know nicked off sort of thing and they could have swapped it around and whatever because there was a point in the race where it was like well let's we've still got three miles to go let's just help each other out for the next two miles and then and then a mile to go a race is a race sort of thing so i was a little bit annoyed because i think ben connor could have been helped a bit more and he came across the line absolutely ruined like he was a yeah. broken man he was which, on the floor dying <laughs> yeah which is quality no, like that's that is class he was he ran so hard bless him uh and you know he didn't get dropped dramatically by johnny Mellor. it was only about like 20 seconds ish it was like what two eleven twenty. yeah um oh actually no right 50 but yeah it was it was a relative a relatively like big gap by the end but he still you know. got under the qualifying standards so that miles really he got 21119 or something, didn't he? Yeah. Right. And on Instagram, he said, I'll take anything under 21130. Which is what he got. So that's absolutely fine. Maybe in a much more painful way than he would have wanted to. But it's all that matters now. I'm sure he's, now he's finished the race, as long as he's actually alive and well and he's got the time, it's all that matters. Yeah. So, I, don't think, I don't think there's a pretty way to run a marathon, really. Well, most of the time, Kipchoge does that. Um, but like, like, probably agreeing with you. We've been proving that it's probably false because, you know, you know, it wasn't so pretty today. So you're about right there, really. Yeah. Talk about so that be, kick uh... as well. Sorry, talk about no pretty way. The winner, obviously, it was a great kick, and we'll get onto that. He was wearing a long sleeve body warmer, a t-shirt, a vest, and then women's shorts. Right. Yes, I wanted to ask about these shorts because me and Angus, my husband, were watching it and we were like, okay, he, he's wearing half tights. And then after a while, we were like, is he wearing two in ones? Like, what, what is this dude wearing? So, was he wearing like the women's two yeah. in one? Yep, he was wearing women's shorts. Um, let me see if I can get up the post now. He is essentially wearing. Philip Ingebrigtsen has a pair and he, he always treadmills on them and everyone always comments on it. But he, he was literally wearing, yeah, it, women's just, it's hard to actually get what they look like, but yeah, pretty much. They're definitely well, women. maybe we're doing it wrong. Maybe we're maybe doing we it are. wrong, Alfie. Well, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you is split, split shorts or half tights. And considering everyone in this photo, what I'm looking at right now is wearing half tights, and Kipchoge wears half tights, and Joshua Chep's guy wears half tights, and Kenny Zabakili wears half tights. I'm going to have to go with split shorts. Well, <laughs> I've always, I've always worn split shorts. I've, I've always worn split shorts. But maybe, maybe this isn't all going. Like if you looked at, uh, like Cam Levins. I mean, Cam dropped out, but he was wearing the Hoka half tights. I've been wearing the Hoka half tights, and they are great. I'm loving them, but I'm I'm still just getting used to like half tights, you know. Like I've, I've always worn split shorts, um, and the Hoka split shorts are good as well. But I am starting to realise literally every man and their dog are wearing half tights. So like, what what's the deal? Why why is this? Every everyone of our I'm split short army because it literally is everyone literally first thing they say is split shorts or half tights. It's it's a weird. Every single time we ask questions, people ask us that, but. Maybe it's time to give in and accept that half tights are better for performance. Maybe. Maybe. Sad, sad day in the sport. Maybe next, maybe next time we race in like 
2022, we can wear some half tights or something. Like, by that point, we'll have got used to them. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know if I can bring myself to racing them yet. I'll have to wait and see what happens. You're not going to need to until 2022 because there aren't going to be any. No, cross-country race in the UK next month. Oh, no, in November. Yeah, next month in November is a UK cross-country race. Yep. Podium yeah. cross-country race, which is yeah. interesting. And I'm also doing a 10K in Chester or Cheshire. Um, Mid-Cheshire 18th. 10K? Yeah. Is it November? 18th of October. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, that, that'll be good. Um, yeah, I was lucky. I think I'm going to do that podium cross race. Um, pretty sure Brilliant. I'm going to... What? Brilliant. Okay. Yeah, which is going to be interesting because I literally just want to do a cross-country race. It's not like, you know, Liverpool's not going ahead. Euro trials isn't going ahead. Uh, it's not ideal. Um, but, oh well. Back to your natural habitat on the grass and mud. In it, mate. In it. Like, literally, I'd, I didn't race, well, I raced like, what, three cross races last year and then I was anemic. So it was bloody horrible. But, um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think literally it's going to be, so track races are going to be going through winter. That's, that's basically confirmed. Uh, 5Ks and 10Ks on the track, mate. And then you're just going to have to race them like cross countries. I don't understand. Why are they on the track? Why not on the road? Because it's just easy to contain and, and track. Because like the thing is, to, to actually get a track, it's not that hard. But to like oh, yeah. corner off road, like no, roads yeah. and all that sort of stuff, uh, it's a lot of money. Strange. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's fair enough then. It's but maybe they'll put a few ramps on the track. Yeah, I'd actually prefer it if we had a track like the way we got to run like lane eight or something. Or, I don't know. Or like on like, that fast 5k um, tomorrow, it was on a go-kart track. Can't we have to yeah. that? Yeah. It'd just be more but interesting. Then here's, here's the other thing. Private land, okay, private land, so this this is, to, to use the land, you need the authority of the landowner, that's it. So you don't go via the council, you don't do any of that. You, you speak to these people who own private land. If they approve you, if you give them the risk assessment and they say, okay, go for it, then you're allowed to get a race license. Imagine the amount of like airfields that aren't being used or just like empty bits of like road and track and stuff like that that there are out here. Because I mean, in Loughborough, we've got a really big like sort of yeah. road track, you, you know, and yeah, near the cross country course. Is that where it is? Yeah, exactly that. So, like, if you if you spoke to the landowner and were like, okay, I want to hold a 5k, and they're like, yeah, sure, go for it, then you could and it would be quick really quick tracks the races coming soon tracks the yeah. races pending oh i wish maybe 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 next year but actually we'll have to wait and see it would be great if someone got some like millionaire one person just loved the sport i feel like it's like something that happens in films but imagine if like elon musk just came out saying he loves track and field and just pumps all his money into track and field and just like hosting like crazy races and stuff it'd be be a wonderful sight to see, but I guess yeah, racing on the moon, racing on the moon, or racing on Mars, racing on Mars, that would be sick. So yeah, Elon Musk, if you listen to the podcast, pump all your money into tracks there, we'll make the dream, uh, all that. Yeah, 
And I think we'll end it there because we can't get any better than Elon Musk. So we're going to end the note on Elon Musk and his dreams of becoming the next Sebastian Coe and being the president of World Athletics. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, all that. Either way. Elon Musk just hit us up. Thank you.